listening to the Chisco Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt, from the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from Rag Rag. So this is the podcast where we talk about bikes just for the fun of it. So there's going to be tales from all over the nation. We're going to be joined by guests each week to talk about the social side of cycling. So come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Yeah, leave with a smile. I'm, I'm going to lead with a smile. Um, we did a little bike ride over the weekend up uh, with a bunch of with a bunch of friends, um, new friends and old friends, I, I would say. Yeah. And um, we went up. They did a bacon bike ride up in Brainerd, Minnesota. And cool. if you hadn't heard about it, it's Paul's Bacon Ride. And it's kind of a spinoff of our Bacon Ride and uh, Pigtails Ride that we've been doing down here successfully in, in Iowa. So people up there have a really nice trail called the Paul Bunyan Trail, appropriately named. And um, went up there with a few friends. And, and, and Mark, what do you think of that ride for an inaugural event? You know, it was good. It was it was weird because I've been a partner with you guys for so long on the other events that we do. You know, this one I'm strictly a participant, which yeah. was really weird for me. And, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, it's Minnesota and we don't have any of the same tools or reach that we do in other places. But uh, from a participant standpoint, yeah, I thought it was as well run as anything else that, uh, that we've done together. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean... Going heavy for the experience, I think that's uh, yeah. that was the idea, and that's yeah. the goal. Yeah, and, and to give you a little background, we did a little consulting, or I did a little consulting with um, Brooks Reynolds, who runs uh, one-third of, I guess, of our bacon rides mm-hmm. here in, in the state, and he, he does events all, all over the world. And so, you know, the, the borders of Iowa cannot control that guy. So um, just a, a neatly marketed event. I mean, great bacon, great, great stops along the way. Um, and the neat, one of the neat things is that the fundraising opportunity was there for our Karis Call statue. And uh, as you know, mm-hmm. Don Call passed away, um, you know, just, just before the start of right, or right during the start of Ragbri. And, uh, you know, John Karras um, was out there on Ragbri, so it was kind of appropriate that, hey, if we're going to do some some bike rides that have been spun off of of Ragbri, why don't we put some funds back into this well needed project that we've been working on for a little mm-hmm. bit? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're you're kind of developing some of the other crowds who love Ragbri, and uh, yeah, it makes a whole lot of yeah. sense. So. That's kind cool. of a different trail. I mean, I've been on many trails. I've been in trails growing up, um, you know, Florida, uh, some of the original rail trails down there. And the neat thing about that trail compared to, you know, our, we've got some an amazing trail system, but um, nicely spaced out six miles to each town just about and kind of neat to circumvent the lakes. And, you know, it was so difficult to ride too far without running into a lake up there and i guess if there's ten thousand lakes in minnesota that there's a pretty good reason why they're all over the place so yeah. uh wh- i saw one of the rarest things i've ever seen I saw a pumpkin on a bicycle <laughs> i was gonna say did you see pumpkin <laughs> so, so paul bunyan was or is pumpkin and uh, if you haven't taken a look at some of the the photos if you don't know who pumpkin is he works with uh, Hot Butter Love or, or Mott Sweet Corn during the week. 
It's kind of that conglomeration of the Iowa beer bus and Mr. Porkchop and all them. And uh-huh. he's the spitting image of Paul Bunyan, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> and um, he carried a, an axe on the back of his bike. Um, and and to be honest, that's the first time I've ever seen Pumpkin on a bicycle. I don't know if you've seen him before on a bicycle. but You know, he rode Bay Coon Ride from uh, Perry to Linden. Oh, so neat. Uh, Yeah, so he's been yeah, good for him. bike rides for him this yeah. year. Good for him. So, he was a former guest on this podcast as well. Him and Mike Mott came right. in. They still hold the record for most beer strength during a podcast. So uh, I don't think that <laughs> one's going to be broken anytime soon. So, um, so you, you know, it was really cool, too. And I heard you talking to a lot of folks there, Mark. There, there are some podcast listeners that were on that ride. And, and one of the comments I heard from one of the guys from Indianola, the brothers, were, yeah. hey, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about this ride on the podcast. So we would be remiss if we didn't bring up, uh, I believe, the, I think it was, I'm going to say Wyatt and Wade from Indianola, if I, if I have my guys right. They were asking the about The Williams that. brothers. The Williams yeah. brothers, okay. Shout out to Wyatt and Wade Williams. Wade, cool. Wade Williams, isn't that Deadpool? Or, or pretty, oh, yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like a superhero. Yeah. Uh, Wade Williams. Wow. Sounds, sounds, I don't know. Maybe we're close. Maybe it's Wade Wilson. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, speaking of out-of-state bike rides, I got an email today on one that you and I are going to go on um, over in Reno, Nevada. Oh, yeah. Did you get that? Did yeah. you get that email today? Yep. Looking forward to Reno. They, and uh, They have an e-mountain bike specific course. Uh, on this uh, on this trail, and, and part of it's gravel, part of it's mountain bike. Um, so I'm looking forward to testing out some some e-bikes. I think those are going to be at the center of attention uh, at uh, Interbike coming up. Yeah. So that'll be cool. I just listened to a podcast earlier uh, today. My my buddy Justin Gottlieb was on it from uh, oh, yeah. it was uh, it was with Dan Man, and I forget exactly the name of the podcast. If I get it, I'll push it out, but. He's a Gator mm-hmm. alum, and he uh, he plugs the Gators often, which is which is a good thing. But uh, this is his first time <laughs> at the helm of Interbike, and yeah. there's lots of. They were just talking about some of the new and exciting changes that are coming down the pike, and uh, I'm I'm super excited. Um, not that you can't get excited to go to Las Vegas, but you know, been there, done that. To go to a new place, I'm I'm pretty excited. Uh, the end. Yeah, it's a different world. Middle of next month, and go go ride some bikes, and I'm I'm gonna guess it's pretty beautiful up there. So. Looking forward to that. Finally, we we get to go to a different bar. Finally, <laughs> different bar. Yeah. How many bars did we ride on Paul's Bacon ride, though? I mean, yeah, a lot. I mean, you a think lot. about bars per mile on on that ride. Um, yeah. And you know it. Uh, the other neat thing is just out of nowhere, the Johnny Holmes band pops up on Friday night. So I mean, if it didn't have that ragbri right. feeling of multiple bars biking. People's coming, and then all of a sudden we see Johnny Home band playing in uh, in the middle of Brainerd. It it just I don't know. The stars were aligned that day. So, so so the other research and development thing that came out of that ride was the meat raffle. Yeah, the meat raffle. Um, anybody that anybody from Minnesota, this seems like a really familiar thing. I, I was totally perplexed by this when uh, when I went up there and, and uh, meet raffle and all the bars seemed to have one mm-hmm. on a particular night or another. And they hosted one, uh, during this ride. Um, and it's exactly what it says. They, they bring out, um, packages of meat and you buy raffle tickets and you can win a $10 or a $25 or $75 package of, of meat. 
I was like, this is <laughs> this is cool. So uh, the Iowa Bicycle Coalition happens to have a raffle license, and I think we're going to be planning one of these meat raffle things to introduce to Iowa and see if we can, uh, can figure out how it's going to work here. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. Yeah. I think we need a little bit more Midwest throughout the world. You know, if, if more right. more of the world had meat raffles, you know, or walking tacos, <laughs> walking tacos, or scotcheroos, you know, things that scotcheroos. I didn't I didn't realize scotcheroos and and walking tacos were just Midwestern, you know, delicacies <laughs> till till I was like said something like, oh, why don't you go with the walking taco? And they're like, what's that? Like, are you are you kidding? <laughs> so so it. Excellent, excellent idea, Mark. The meat raffle. The world needs yeah. more meat, and um, meat raffle is one way to distribute more meat products. So, yeah. good. Yeah. Good. Biking and meat. Um, I like it. I like it. We have an event coming up. What's that? Um, this this one's going to be casual. The Iowa Bicycle Coalition is holding its our, our first open house hmm. uh, this Friday um, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. So, if anybody's in the area... Especially if you're going to attend Fry Fest, which is uh, sure. the, the uh, Iowa kind of pregame thing for uh, uh, for the first home game. Um, come on down. Um, we're right near the Marriott and the convention center. Uh, so everything's nice and close to where we're at. And we're like, well, let's just open the doors. We got some beer hmm. um, and hang out and meet some people. So if you're in the area, uh, especially if you're biking to the area, come over to our office. Uh, 906 Quarry Road in Corville at the Iowa River Landing District, and uh, come and visit. We want to chat. So very cool. Yeah, yeah it should yeah, be I mean, fun. And are you guys going to do any podcasting over there, or just kind of reliving you know, some stories? Or we'll probably plug the. We'll probably put batteries in the uh, the recorder and see if anybody wants to okay. talk and say hi. Um, I know uh, Jay from Jisco, or uh, from uh, Team Good Beer. Oh yeah, he has. He has dropped off some beverages that have filled up our fridge. Nice. Uh, so we're going to try to liquidate some of those to people that come by. So if mm. you want a free one, come on by. Um, and Jay's coming by, too, and he might bring some more, maybe. Hmm. I hope I hope we don't have to fill our fridge again. We've just got enough space that we can uh, breathe a little bit. So No, sounds good. Not that, we, not that we drink beer here on work probably ever, but, uh, yeah, it's just it's there. Mm. So we're ready to, ready to share. Hmm. Well, if you do a podcast, then maybe the pumpkin record of beers drank during a podcast might be broken. So it uh, could change, but pumpkin yeah. could show up and he could still hold the record. You never know, right? Right. You never know. <laughs> never know. Well, cool. cool. I know we um, we have an interview. I think um, I saw Murph did something. Good, good Lord, I can't even remember. I'm getting old, Mark. I'm <laughs> I, I'm, I'm seriously getting getting old. Um, but uh, I'm sure Murph always has some amazing interviews. You know, I don't I don't know where she comes up with this stuff, but everyone yeah. is just delightful to listen to. The sultry voice of of AKA Murph and and her guests each and every week. It, if that doesn't get you going, get you out on the bike. I don't know what does. So let's get to that. Show. All right, let's get on with it and just go bike. Just go bike listeners, aka Murph here, and with me today is Mr. Jacob Spath. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Kathy. Well, Jacob and I have been friends for a long time. Quite some time. Yeah, a long time. And we both share the passion for biking. Just put the fun between your legs. <laughs> yes. 
And I would say your passion went up a couple notches, and that's why you're here today on this podcast. Um, so Jacob recently completed the Trans North Georgia, and that's one heck of an accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I, you're the only person I know that's ever even tried to <laughs> conquer it. So that's what this podcast is all about. We're going to, A, learn what the Trans North Georgia uh, bike ride is, and then also uh, find out more about Jacob's experience. Um, and really quick, uh, the Trans North Georgia is a 350 plus mile route that snakes through the southern Appalachian Mountains from South Carolina to Alabama. And it's a bike packing event, which Jacob will tell us more about. And I read that it's over 38,000 feet of climb. <coughs> you you kind of cringe when I say that because you're like, well, yeah, I, I lived it. <laughs> my uh, my electronics told me it was something like 46,000 feet. Oh, my gosh. That's even worse, better, different. <laughs> anyway, well, let's get started. So, Jacob, first of all, thank you for being on the podcast. Um, explain what uh, Trans North Georgia is. So, like you mentioned, it's a 350-plus-mile uh, bikepacking route across northern Georgia. Uh, focuses on gravel roads, forest service roads, and a lot of single track. Uh, oh. It's probably about 25% actual single track. A uh, big focus is the Pinhoti Trail. If anybody's familiar with that, it's uh, more popular with hikers. And after having pedaled it, I can see why. <laughs> Meaning it was a little bit uh, tough it was, terrain? It was tough at times, yes. Sure, sure. Um, well, where does it start and like how many people participate, would you say? So this year was the biggest year ever. Uh, they got permitted by the Forest Service to have 125, and I believe they had 93 at the start. Uh, so we start on a bridge at the South Carolina-Georgia border, 8 a.m. Uh, on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and they send us off, and uh, the clock goes until you get to the Alabama border, or until you say you can't take any more. Wow. And you made it, right? I did. Yeah. I did. Well, of course, I know you made it, because I followed you it's pretty cool on, on their website they have a tracker mm -hmm. and it will tell you or tell us that are fans that are watching where you are which checkpoint you checked into and then the thing that just made me oh my gosh I felt so bad for you was your average miles per hour it yeah. was brutal mm. I mean you know you lived it yeah so we'll talk about that in a little bit but um so you start eight o'clock in the morning and I'm assuming that you spend a lot of time solo. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely a solo-focused event, but uh, one of the things I really enjoyed about it is as the individuals kind of ebb and flow with their, their energy levels, uh, you pass and get passed uh, by different people. So I don't ever really think I felt too terribly alone. Mm -hmm. um, and at night, I definitely, you know, would camp at the same spot as a couple other riders. So. Sure. I uh, had that going on, and, uh, but it's, it, it is a solo focused event. Mm -hmm. And how do you, what's your wayfinding? Like, are you GPSing it or are you, do you have like a booklet or something? With <clears throat> there's uh, cue sheets, uh, which I wouldn't have done it without, been able to do it without, but there's also a Garmin GPX route if, or if people are familiar with that. So a combination of the old fashioned cue sheets mm -hmm. and the newfangled GPS direction helped me get my way. Uh, I did still get lost and miss several turns, so. <laughs> Oh, my. Even with all that, uh, it's not easy. Yeah, hence the extra elevation, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be, it would really stink to go 10,000 feet out of your way, but anyway. Um, so how many hours a day did you spend on your bicycle? 
Uh, the, the first day I was feeling a little bit fresh and I kind of had a goal in mind of where I wanted to get to. And I think I was about 19 hours on the bike the first day. Are um, you kidding? Yeah, yeah, I'm no kidding. Um, oh. So I got to where I wanted to go about 118 miles in um, <clears throat> and camped at a state park. And then from there on, I averaged about 15 hours a day on the bike moving time. Wow. Yeah. That, that in itself is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Wow. But just for reference, uh, 19 hours to go 118 miles. And a few weeks prior, I was at the 24 Hours of Coming event, and I did 125 miles in about nine hours. Oh, So that's a... Coming is not an easy event by any stretch. Right. Uh, so that's just a little comparison for you. Right. 19 hours. Just think of all the things that you've done in the last 19 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure sitting on a bicycle seat was not the majority of it. Right. <laughs> Well, what about sleep? Uh, so it's a bike packing event, meaning that you carry, you know, similar to uh, self-contained tour and you carry everything you need on your bike. Um, and I carried my sleep system was a hammock, a sleeping bag and a rain fly. Um, so I get to a spot where I wanted to sleep that for the night. And luckily, Georgia and the Appalachians is heavily forested. So finding trees was not usually an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just first thing I would do is change out of my cycling kit and into some dry shorts um, dry in quotes <laughs> nothing was dry about this year um, <clears throat> and then you know sleep until the sun wakes you up and you're ready to get going the next day and did you have pretty extreme temperature changes not really oh. uh, the temperatures were actually quite mild uh, I think the overnight lows were maybe around 70 and then daytime highs were in the upper 80s uh, it was actually quite mild I was a little surprised at that yeah and you told me when we were talking one night on the phone that you were like, uh, so I go to bed wet because you're wet all day long mm-hmm. and then you wake up more wet. Yeah. Uh, the humidity and plus being in the mountains, you know, sometimes I'm like, am I in a cloud? Well, <laughs> I guess it's touching the ground. Is this fog? I'm not sure, but oh. I'm wet. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on your bike all day long. That's got to be brutal on your body. Yeah, the chafing was real. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the biggest difficult. My two biggest difficulties outside of the terrain was, you know, just being in wet kit and having wet feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine wet feet for that time frame. There was, I didn't keep track, but I bet we crossed or forded something like 50 streams or rivers. Uh, and there wasn't somebody there to piggyback and jump? <laughs> no, no. no. Okay, I guess I can't do this right. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't anyway. But um, uh, so we talked about being, you know, your your solo some of the time, but you'd catch up <clears> with people. Like, have you made some great friends through this experience? I would say so. Yeah, um, definitely some interesting people. Uh, a lot of people from the Southwest. I talked to a gentleman from Vermont, a uh, fellow from Wisconsin, a uh, fellow from New Mexico, I believe. Uh, you know, so that ninety some people, I would say about. 30 or 40 of them were outside of the southeast um but yeah some really neat people yeah excellent i should probably point out to our listeners that we are outside right now and it's a little bit windy uh we're on location right near iowa bicycle coalition headquarters world headquarters that is so if you're hearing background noise sorry about that It's, (coughs) it's the wind but um so what kept you going what kept you going every day you know after the first day it was still really fun and by the second day I started to realize that okay this is going to be a lot harder than I ever imagined Mm -hmm. and to be honest one of the things that kept me going was thinking I don't want to have to come back 
Oh. <laughs> you don't have to do it a second time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a funny story about that. A lot of the people I talked to mentioned how their first time uh, they really had a rough go of it and they finished or didn't finish. And they remember leaving, swearing, I'm never coming back to do this again. And a lot of them I talked to were the third, fourth, or fifth time doing the event. So really? they told me, they said, give it a week or two and then tell us if you're coming back. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> What's your mindset at this very moment? <clears throat> at this very moment, I think I'd like to check out some other routes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can have dry feet. Yes. <laughs> so you crossed the finish line and I saw the photo on Facebook. It's like, you know, pitch black dark mm -hmm. I don't see anybody around I'm assuming there's somebody race organizer that took your photo or maybe I don't know what, how that worked but tell us a little bit about that experience uh, so the finish and you know similar to tour divide and a lot of the the bikepacking type events uh, there's never really any big crowds or anybody waiting um, so I, I crossed the finish line in the middle of the night with a fellow from New Orleans and it was about 3 a.m. local time, and the only other person there was uh, Adam from Mulberry Gap, uh, who does the shuttles to and from the start and finish. Mm. And he was actually sleeping in his truck. We oh. had to wake him up. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, you know, self-motivated and about, you know, doing it for yourself, kind of selfish, I guess. Sure, yeah. Well, once you, you know, got your shuttle, got back to wherever you were, the hotel or whatever, uh, what was the first thing you did once you crossed that line? Um, when I, the first thing that was on my mind when I crossed the finish line was to get out of those wet shorts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, luckily, there weren't too many people there, and I, it was the middle of the night, so I was able to just drop trowel on the side of the trail and put some dryish kit on. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, what made you even decide to do this uh, trans? What's trans North Georgia. Trans North. Yeah, I keep think, seeing the the initials TNGA. TNGA yeah. yeah, and I thought, is there something, <clears> a word for that? Um, no, so a few years ago, I learned about it, you know, just through normal channels on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and I kind of put it on that that way back of the closet bucket list, like, yeah, I'd like to do this someday. And um, last year, actually, when it, it was going on, a friend was following it online, and, you know, he got a hold of me and says, Jacob, we got to do this. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, let's go. And, uh, you know, then it came from that back of the closet bucket list to this is my target race for 2018. Um, interesting fact we got signed up and uh as life happens sometimes he had some stuff come up and wasn't able to make it with oh, me so no. i wound up going down with another friend from dubuque uh richard beekler and uh <clears throat> who also finished by the way um so yeah that's how it kind of came on my radar okay cool and what type of bike did you have for an adventure like this probably the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I, tell me, don't tell me it was a fixie. No, no. <laughs> uh, but there were plenty of single speeders, which really surprised me. Uh, I rode my Linsky GR250. It's actually a little bit more of a gravel bike, but uh, 27 and a half by 2.25 tires. So it's got a mountain bike tire on it. Um, and for some of the gravel, some of the road, you know, easier sections, it was actually, a, you know, I love that bike. But definitely getting into some of the single track and some of the forest roads, I wish I would have had more bike. Hmm. What did most people have? Like fat bikes or? <clears throat> um, typical would be a hardtail mountain bike type. Oh, sure. Um, okay. But, you know, like I said, I saw a couple, you know, several people on single speed, several people on full rigid bikes, which kind of boggled my mind. Mm. Um, but by and large, most people were on hardtail mountain bikes, 29ers. Okay. All right. And then um, I've, I've laughed, but secretly 
agreed with you when you've you've posted on Facebook before about how when you're getting ready to, to go bike packing or any sort of um, self-contained event, you're always like, is anybody else, you know, take a hundred times that they have to pack and repack and pack and repack. And I do the same thing. And I actually like look at everything, pack it up, unpack it, try and get rid of a couple things and then repack. So how did you feel about your packing strategy and would you have changed anything? Honestly, I got very lucky. This was my first uh, multi-day race, bike packing event of this sort. And in hindsight, I don't know that I would have changed anything. Oh, nice. I mean, the only thing, the only things I didn't really use that I packed were my repair kit and tubes, which That's I don't want to use. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I wouldn't want to be without those. Um, so I, I guess the only thing I would have changed is maybe try to get uh, different versions of what I took that would be a little lighter, more compact. But yeah. by and large, it did really well. That's awesome. That's very awesome. So uh, that event's over. And you're in town, you're here at IBC headquarters because you're getting ready to do a, dra- a gravel uh, ride tonight. But um, you've been getting into gravel riding a ton in the last mm. year or so. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, gosh, my timeline is a little foggy, but, you know, a few years ago I started getting into, you know, transitioning from rag ride to the more sporting uh, Grand Fondo endurance type stuff. And I just realized that for some reason the harder and longer events are the more satisfied I feel at the end and uh, as fate would have it uh, gravel has kind of caught my attention um, uh-huh. a little bit lower key I, I don't have the time and dedication to be a, a top-end racer mm-hmm. and I, I feel like some of the gravel events are a little bit more inclusive of all ability levels great great um, and what would you give as if you were gonna give advice to somebody who's thinking about gravel riding like let's say to me because I've done a couple um, events where gravel came into play. I can tell you right now, I knew my tire pressure was not correct. So it was a panicky time, you know, where I'm kind of my upper body's real locked and rigid because I'm worried about falling. Had I taken the time to, you know, put, take some air out of my tires, I probably would have had a better experience. So what advice would you give people? Tires. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> talk to your bike shop. Talk to your buddies. Um, somebody that's ridden gravel. Uh, good tires are going to make or break your ride, especially mm-hmm. for the, the novice rider. Um, some of these pro guys, they're getting by on 732, running high pressure. But most of us, we just want to be comfortable and, right. and have a little stability, feel confident out there. Right, right. And uh, at the Iowa Bike Coalition, we just came out with a ebook on gravel riding. So I've gotten to learn a little bit about, you know, when you go through the gravel roads of Iowa, the the quality of the gravel and the size of the rock and how thick it is it's amazing the differences and it varies widely depending on where you're at in the state Mm -hmm. and and where they are with maintaining those roads yeah you know i come across a road and i can see a perfect path where the tire of a car goes i'm like sweet i'm in because i won't have to worry about the rocks shooting out but i just need to figure out my air pressure (laughs) um what other biking adventures have you gone on um, well, rag many, many times. Yes. Um, a plethora of gravel road adventures, you know, Dirty Kanza, uh, Gravel Worlds in Nebraska, Rebecca's Private in Idaho, Trans-Iowa, attempted twice, never finished, um, and pretty much anything I can talk somebody into riding with me on. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe consider going on a ride with you if it, A, my feet would stay dry, B, it wouldn't be a multi-day. 38 or 40 what'd you say 46,000 feet of climb yeah yeah I'm out on that one 
which I think when you have we only have like 90 people participating in that you can tell that it's it's a endurance hard hard ride so. and less than half of those finished wow <laughs> I mean huge kudos to you I'm air high-fiving you thanks yeah, you're welcome <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that you've done reg ray many times which I've been on your team for a couple of years so I, I know that that's a true statement um, reg ray is known for pie so let's hear it what's your favorite pie apple hands down apple I'm right. a I'm a simple man at heart yeah all right is it homemade apple or you don't care um I mean I'll eat pretty much any apple but if I had my choice my grandma makes the best <laughs> don't all grandmas usually how does that work it's the love and how come I didn't learn how to do that there'll be a time <laughs> when you know years to come people will be like yeah but she just didn't she couldn't make pie I think they'll overlook that okay good all right good good um well Jacob, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm, I'm super excited to learn more about the Trans North Georgia. And, and actually, before you say you're welcome, uh, if people want to learn more about that event, I'm assuming that you can just Google Trans North Georgia. Um, yeah, you'll come up with some of the bikepacking.com stuff, but there's a Facebook group, TNGA, back, or TNGA Bike Packers on okay. Facebook, that uh, is a really great forum. And most of the people, like I said, are really great and really forthcoming with information and tips and observation so cool and i'm looking forward to uh your next adventures because you guys uh you and your girlfriend are always doing like running races triathlons and then of course biking adventures too there's more on deck all right awesome well thank you for being on the podcast you're welcome all right well listeners if you have an idea for the just go bike podcast email us at just go bike podcast at gmail.com and I leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This comes from cycling legend Eddie Merckx. Ride as much or as little or as long as or as short as you feel, but ride. Think about it. Hold the phone. The rumors are true. That's right. This is Andrea, and this is Parrot Talk. I'm back, baby. I have migrated all the way from the other side of the office to be with you here today. Talk about bikes and all sorts of other stuff related to bikes. I Actually, I just came in from a top secret 2019 logo theme meeting with couple of my co-workers who shall remain nameless at this time. Uh, we were kind of throwing ideas around, bouncing them off each other, spitballing some things, brainstorming, getting some momentum going because for on Ragbri calendar, we are now in 2019. We, we said goodbye to 2018. 2018 is over and we have turned the page and we're moving on. And it's time to decide step one, what is our theme going to be? And like I said, there were a lot of ideas floating around, but there were a couple that stuck up on the board, um, including ants, like insect theme, corn dogs, Illinois curveball, and buffalo, possibly. So maybe riding, you know, east to west theme instead of west to east theme. I mean, the possibilities are out there. And now that I've said all this out loud, I'm kind of thinking maybe this is why they never tell me 
the route ahead of time <laughs> because I am not great with that kind of secret. You know, they say with great power comes great responsibility and I just don't know if I'm ready for that. Anyway, so let's talk about the task at hand. Here I am ready to talk about Parrot Talk today. Um, and, you know, the biking season is quote unquote winding down, although I really think that's just a common misperception. I think that people should be biking all the way through the fall and into the winter as you feel comfortable riding. Um, for me, that's until there's ice on the ground. But people with their fancy schmancy bikes, they can ride continuously or people who have a death wish can bike on the ice and with regular bikes. Anyway, I digress. So I guess what my point is, is that a couple of my lady friends and I are going to be taking a biking trip in a couple of weeks, um, biking out to somewhere and camping and coming back. And I've come to the harsh realization that my tent from Ragbri is in some not great condition. Uh, I did a little research for this pair talk today and um, all of the articles said, make sure your tent is completely dry before you put it in the tent bag. Oh, as you know, on Ragbri, it's almost impossible to dry your tent out completely before you put it in the bag because of rain and dew and sweat and all that other kind of good stuff. Um, Plus, it's just never clean really to start with. So I thought I would talk to you today about cleaning your tent. Have you ever thought about actually cleaning your tent? Or are you somebody who just um, throws the whole tent away and starts over? Because I am tempted to do that. We're going to find out this weekend how good of a situation we're in. But if you would like to clean your tent, here's how you do it. And I got the best information for this from REI, the outfitter. But I'm sure Shields has some good info because they're the best in all areas uh, for your uh, sporting good needs. But, you know, that's just somewhere where I Googled and it came up and it was on the top and it seemed like it made sense. So, and I pulled stuff from a couple other sources, but I thought I'd at least give one. So if you want to go back and read about it later, there you go. All right. So air dry your tent. Did not do. Make sure your tent is 100% dry before storing it. Did not do. We are not, we're not starting on a great start here. Okay. So you get your tent out. You give it not a look. Is it in good shape other than being super dirty and disgusting? If that's the case, then you probably can salvage your tent, clean it up, and reuse it for another day. So we're going to assume that's what my tent looks like. Um, If you don't hear from me for a couple more weeks, uh, send help. Uh, The tent has eaten me. All right. The mold has become sentient and overtaken me in the basement. Anyway, okay. So basically, the first thing to do is pull your tent out and spot clean with like a mild dish soap. Clean any besmirchments on the outside that are like, I don't know, bird dew or like bike grease if you can. Um, Just any sort of spots that are particularly bad. Because when you're washing your tent, you're going to turn it inside out. So you want to make sure you get those big spots special attention right away. So spot clean with soap. They wanted to make sure the internet says do not machine wash your tent. Now, I don't know which one of you wackos has been machine washing your tent, but I don't know. That never occurred to me. Um, my machine washer is not great at the gentle cycle. We'll say it that way. So don't do that. Um, you should use mild scent-free soap. I would also, you know, you can buy special soaps just to wash your tent with, believe it or not. You know, if you're really, really 
attached to your tent and you want to make sure nothing goes wrong, you might want to do that. Um, you They always say non-detergent soaps. And to be honest with you, I'm not sure what kind of soap is detergent and non-detergent. So I would just go with the mildest dishwashing soap or maybe like ivory bar soap that you like foam up, you know, or shave into little pieces and wash with that. Or I don't know, you, you get the point. So then you fill your tub up or your giant sink up with cool or lukewarm water. Think of it like um, the most fragile of fabrics. Even though it's really pretty durable, you treat it gently. Um, make sure you put in the appropriate amount of cleaner if you're using a special tent cleaner or just a crap load of soap. Either one. Um, so you put your tent, you unzip the doors of your tent and your rain fly and turn it inside out. Um, why do you do this? I don't know. I do that with, say, some of my clothes because it keeps the color in. It doesn't fade as quickly so I wonder if that might be the point or if they're just doing that because then you're rubbing on the inside of the tent and if anything should happen color wise it'll be on the inside instead of the outside which is the pretty part um, so then give it a good soak uh, it doesn't it never says anywhere exactly how long to soak your tent for I would say probably 15 minutes to half an hour it says you have to be careful not to soak it for too long or the waterproofing on your tent will start to degrade and become a kind of a sticky, gooey mess. And obviously not going to, first of all, it's gross. Second of all, not going to protect your tent from the rain anymore. So just a medium amount of time. Um, again, if you're using a specific tent cleaning product, by all means go by that time. I'm just saying what I'm going to be doing later. That's my plan. Um, then you drain the water, you rinse it thoroughly. I mean, in a way, this is kind of like washing your shorts on RAGBRAI. You know, throw it in the bag, put the soap in, mix it all up, let it soak, and then rinse it, right? Dump the Ziploc bag out into the sink. Well, okay, anyway, all right, you get it. So rinse it thoroughly. You might have to rinse the tent more than once because you need to make sure that you rinse it until the water is clear. The water running through the tent is clear. And if your tent is particularly stinky, you may have to do the wash part a couple times as well. That one I'm going to leave up to you. My tent may need to be washed 50 times. We're, we're not sure how this is going to turn out. And then, and then you dry your tent completely. Finally, dry your tent. Um, hang it up on a line, set it up as a tent, and kind of hang it out. Um, if you do set it up as a tent and hang it, make sure it's very secure if you leave it outside because you don't want that bad boy blowing away after all that hard work. Um, if your tent had mildew, mold, or foul odors, which mine certainly does, uh, use an enzymatic cleaner. There's a couple different kinds. I'm not gonna name anything specifically. Look it up on Amazon. They have that stuff just for specifically for soak, giving a tent an extra soak, an extra cleaning, getting the mold out of the nooks and crannies, which is sounds like a great idea to me. Um, if there's pine sap on your tent, use spot clean with mineral oil, just any kind of mineral oil, um, but don't scrub it too much or again, you might lose your waterproofing. Um, you could also try any alcohol-based product like hand sanitizer, wet wipes, things like that. But again, just start carefully. Start in a small spot. Don't go overboard because you never know what some of these chemicals are going to be doing how they're going to react to the coating on your tent. And the last thing you want is the morning dew to be coming in on the inside of your tent. Um, 
if you have zippers that don't run smoothly, uh, get out an old toothbrush and just sort of scrub them um, or rinse and then scrub. I have never noticed a sandy zipper, but apparently it's a thing. So, you know, there's that. All right, so all that's said and done, you deep cleaned, you regular cleaned, you washed the heck out of this tent. What do you do next? Oh, add more waterproofing. I love this step because I feel like it actually helps and I feel like I'm actually doing something to make myself happier when I'm camping later. But you have to do this at least 24 hours in advance so it has time to cure. So hence why I'm doing it this weekend so I can go camping later. Um, you can either get, my favorite kind is the spray kind, like um, it looks like spray paint, but it's waterproofing. Spray the heck out of everything. Pay attention to the seams. If you're somebody who's a stickler, you can use, they have like a little tiny, it looks like nail polish and you could paint right along the seams so that they're extra coated. Um, on some kinds of the, specifically the brush on waterproofing, it can turn yellow when exposed to the sun for too long. So if you do that, I would suggest doing it on the inside of the tent. That's the part you want to stay dry anyway. You don't care if the outside of your tent's wet, unless you're a weirdo. <laughs> so anyway, so that's my little rundown on how to clean a tent. Um, I hope it was valuable to you. I would, I'm back in the pair talk. I'm back in this. I'm winging it each and every other week. Um, so I would love to hear your suggestions for what you'd like to hear me talk about on Parrot Talk. Um, you can either get a hold of me on Twitter at ragbri underscore Andrea, or you can um, squawk at us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at JustGoBike, or you can email me at JustGoBikePodcast at gmail.com. And yes, I do check that email. Um, all right, little birds and birdettes. I hope you have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. We've come to the end of another edition of the Jesco Bike Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in each and every week as we come to you from the state of Iowa, or most of the time generated from the state of Iowa, but we talk about things all over the world. Obviously, today, talking a little Georgia biking. We had Georgia on our mind. And, um, you know, so we, we try to come from all over. I know we're going to be in Reno. We talked about Minnesota. So we don't just stay within our four walls of Iowa. We get outside the state and ride bikes and talk bikes and, and have fun with it. So, mm -hmm. um, and who's this podcast brought to us by, Mark? Uh, we're brought to by uh, Think Iowa City and its curious surrounding communities. If you're attending Fry Fest, that's a Think Iowa City event. Uh, the Cranick half or the Cranick Marathon and Half Marathon, um, also just all the wonderful things that uh, Iowa City promotes here. That includes Jingle Cross uh, coming up in September. Yeah. Uh, Bikes to You, one of the best bike shops and charters and women's clothing suppliers and outfitters out of Grinnell, Iowa. And then finally, Primal Wear. If you're looking for custom bike jerseys, shorts, and accessories, look no further than Primal Wear. Yeah. So appreciate those sponsors. Each and every week we're able to put this podcast together and ship it off to you. And uh, thank you for listening. And if you're not subscribed, please do that. It makes it so much easier. You know, just in case you forget that the podcast is out, it'll give you a little buzz. And all of a sudden that Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher gives you a little beep and says, hey, 
Mark and TJ are ready to talk again. So, um, so lots of good stuff. You know, if you don't want to miss that Parrot Talk or AKA Murph interview, make sure you subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast. All right. Any uh, any words to to live by this week, Mark? Anything anything new and exciting? You know, it, this is the type of year. This is fall. This is throw a jacket on, get out there. If it's not raining and pouring, get on oh. your bike and just go bike. Oh, okie dokie, artichokey. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.